0: travel is actually a very physical activity i don't think people realize you're doing this training so that you can put your bag in the overhead bin or even going to the farmers markets perusing for like two three hours you're
1: on your feet you're on concrete has your life your dreams been interrupted good news it is possible to reinvent our lives People are doing it every day, and some are brave enough to share the struggles, disappointments, and challenges. If you are looking for a new beginning, a do-over, or to rediscover your passion, maybe even find a new one, then grab a cup of coffee and let's talk. Interrupted, Act 2, Reinventing Your Legacy, with your host, Coach Lori. Welcome Jill Beck with Go Long Wellness Concierge for the Sandwich Generation great to be here, Lori. Thank you so much. We always start with what your life is like now. So tell us about what you're doing and about your business and what you love. Yeah, I officially launched my business.
0: Um, that's a little scary, but it's something I've been working on for most of 2023. What led to this was my own health and wellness journey over the years, Then talking to my friends about how frustrated they are with the options available to them, particularly my friends are in the sandwich generation, which is that period of time where you're generally parenting kids, but you're also taking care of your aging parents. And then You're in your peak work years, and you're also dealing with your own health concerns or your partner's health concerns. It's all of that coming at once and thinking about how you're staying for college, for your kids, how you're staying for retirement, and having to be an expert on everything and having time to do nothing to put yourself first.
1: So you are in this place now where you've obviously taken steps. What do you love about your life? I love that I can help people.
0: I can help people reframe their crazy and help them downgrade it in their lives, so that this way they can focus on taking care of themselves. When the light bulb goes on when someone realizes that there's a different way how they can approach taking care of themselves. And it doesn't have to be a traditional way that we've been taught. That's very empowering for me to see. And then that person can share that with their friends.
1: So it sounds like you've been on a journey and we're gonna look back, but before we do, what's different in your life? What do you love about your life? I see how you love to help people. That doesn't come from nothing.
0: It comes from the satisfaction of been there, done that, being able to be empathetic with my clients because the journey towards getting healthy, however you describe that, it's not a linear journey. There's gonna be fits and starts, you're gonna have some peace and you're gonna have some values. Having the resilience to have gone through that and to be, I would say mostly on the other side of that because you're never through the other side of it because you have to always maintain it. But knowing that it's possible and knowing that I can explain that to people in a pragmatic, optimistic, and empathetic way is something that brings me a lot of joy because it wasn't always like that for me. I was much heavier, but it wasn't even about the weight. It was around i get winded going on walks I could barely run a mile without feeling like I was going to drop dead. And then I built up to running marathons. I took a trip to Patagonia back in 1998. I was grossly out of shape then, even though I had youth on my side, which is the only thing that probably saved me from not um, (laughs) collapsing. And then my husband wanted to go to Patagonia five years ago we did a lot of those same hikes and I was like the first one up in our group. And it wasn't even that big a deal for me physically. It meant a lot to me emotionally because I had put in the work and I take a lot of pride in the training that I do. To have that kind of snapshot of a 20 year difference and to actually be 20 years older, but actually be healthier and more fit. That's something that's very different now than back then. And I'm from New York City area originally, and I didn't run the New York Marathon until I lived in Seattle, 15 years at that point. I wasn't a runner in New York City when I lived there, even though I would go and watch it every year. But then I became a runner here in Seattle, and then I decided to run my hometown marathon. I love hiking with my husband. I actually do love weightlifting. Like, I I find it's very empowering. I enjoy being able to be up for anything in terms of, my friends and my friends were of varying ages. I have complete confidence that I could keep up with them. Our 15 year old nephew came out last summer. He's a very active kid and we took him on Rainier to go hiking. I wasn't worried about a thing, even though I knew he was very fit. If anything, the only thing I was worried about is him getting a little ahead of himself with the altitude and not knowing when to reel it back because he's from the New York area and does not understand what altitude can do to you very
1: quickly. So you've got this great life, you're hiking, you're helping people, but it wasn't always that way. And you sort of touched on that. So take us back to where life was before you made these shifts.
0: In my 20s, I worked on Wall Street. I lived all over the world. I lived in London, Luxembourg, and Hong Kong, in addition to New York City. And I was very fortunate to have those opportunities. And let's just say I burned the candle at both ends, as one typically does in their 20s. Then I got diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis. And this was almost 30 years ago when no one really talked about autoimmune diseases like they do now, now which is very common. But that wasn't a thing back then. And people were like, it's in your head. No one believed me. And then finally I got a test and they're like, oh yeah, you have this thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But like no one knew what to do with it. And I wasn't very active. I mean, I'd go to the gym, but like I made terrible like food choices. I was going out all the time, like just not taking care of myself. And I was working a lot. I was working like 90 hours a week. In that time, I watched the second plane hit on 9-11 and I was across the street. Nine, 10 months later, I happened to meet my husband on vacation. In Greece. He lived in Seattle. Eventually, long story short, I said, I need to make some changes in my life. But this wasn't even about like all the healthy changes. This was just about my mental health. And I moved to Seattle. I was on some pretty heavy duty drugs for the rheumatoid arthritis. It was still taking me 45 minutes to get out of bed because I would wake up so stiff. My husband said, why don't we start moving more and see if that helps? He did not realize like the crack in that he was unleashing with that statement. We lived in Green Lake. My initial goal was to run around Green Lake, which is roughly three miles and not drop dead. That was my initial goal. And then I also started changing my eating habits. So I started the South Beach diet. What I liked about the South Beach diet was they talked about getting heart healthy first as opposed to losing weight, where the whole premise of it is that this doctor who founded it, he sees a lot of what he called skinny fat people people who didn't take care of themselves, but they were very slim. And I liked his approach that if you focused on being heart healthy, then the other stuff would probably fall mostly into place. That was a really big game changer for me in terms of understanding food and what we've been taught about nutrition. What I learned is like eating a bowl of pasta could be just as bad as eating a bowl of ice cream. Started running, started changing my diet little by little, had some ups and downs, and then eventually I built to like half marathons and then to marathons. That was a different type of challenge, but the But that type of training taught me so much around resilience and a different type of discipline and something I didn't want to have discipline in necessarily. Whereas, like, I was always very disciplined with work, always did what I needed to do to be successful. I didn't love running. People thought I loved running because I was running all the time. And it's like, no, I actually, I'm not one of those people who runs like a gazelle. I learned to appreciate the training for the races, more than actually the running because of what it taught me, the camaraderie amongst my training pals, the shared struggles and sacrifices. While I was doing that, I was getting a little bit older. I realized I couldn't just do running anymore. I had to do some cross training. So I got into strength training initially through CrossFit. I met a lot of really great people there. And it was the springboard. Again, it's that evolution into now the strength training that I do now, which is with a remote coach in my garage. My husband and I, we do that. And We lift weights. We're not sitting there going hard for the sake of going hard. But we have in our garage delaying decrepitude. That is our goal. We want to be active for as long as possible and doing the things that we love doing, which is hiking, which is traveling, just being able to go on walks and not be limited by physical impediments. Now, obviously there's disease and things that happen as you get older. I'm not talking about that. What I found is that a lot of our friends and family, their parents have money to retire and to travel and they can't. And that's just because, Lori, Rome's not ADA friendly. You need to be able to walk. You need balance. And wouldn't it be nice to be able to walk around Rome all day and your back not giving you like the middle finger so that you could do it again the next day? That's how we've evolved into this. And then when I left my job, my corporate job last fall, I was trying to figure out what I want to do and the tech job market wasn't great. And then I was just starting to get a lot of questions about what I do and how people were frustrated that everything is geared towards young guys and everybody else said something scaled down from that. When I find when I talk to people, they don't want pink dumbbells and something easy. They want something that's going to be practical and is going to challenge them, but is not going hard for the sake of going hard. So that's what I found. And they want it tied with like how to manage their stress with sleep, with nutrition, and particularly the whole perimenopause, menopause transition is also something that finally people are actually talking about and how to manage that. I find that a lot of women in particular aren't taking care of themselves because they're so busy taking care of others and the problem you have with that it's kind of like that airplane analogy like you got to put your mask on first before you can help others and it's like if you run yourself into the ground you get sick then who's going to take care of everybody else because you're sick. If you take care of yourself, you're in a better position to take care of others and also actually model that
1: behavior. When we look at people who are stuck in that, my question that comes to mind always is, what does it take for someone to get from the mentality of, I'm taking care of everyone and I'm just neglecting myself to, oh my goodness, I have to take care of myself. What gets people to that transition?
0: Yeah, what I found is that they don't have enough skin in the game in terms of taking care of themselves. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's like anything with a priority. When there's a deadline, all of a sudden something becomes a priority. That is human nature. What I'm trying to say though, is, is that people are task focused and they're not possibility focused. Imagine if you're a parent who could actually keep up with your kids. Maybe not running around the lake, but that you could go on a hike with your kids, your teenage kids who love being outside. Your back isn't hurting. Imagine being able to ski all week and go all day, and your knees are like, yeah, man, I'm cool. When are we going back out tomorrow? As opposed to counting down the hours and being like, I paid so much money for this and my knees really do not like me. So I'm like popping leaves every, you know, few hours. For a lot of people, like particularly in the Seattle area, it's a very educated demographic. People know they need to take care of themselves. This isn't exactly like newsflash. The issue is it's having them understand when a serious medical event happens to you, there's already so much damage that's been done. You have to undo that and then work towards taking care and prioritizing yourself. It's trying not to scare them because I don't think fear is the way you necessarily get people to do something. But it's saying like, look, do you realize as a woman, once you start perimenopause and no one really knows when they start perimenopause and it could start as early as your late thirties, you are losing a significant amount of bone and muscle mass. The top reason why people die in accidents for women, particularly over the age of 65, is because of sarcopenia and osteopenia. You don't have enough muscle and you don't have enough bone density. It's telling people, like, look, you may not be thinking about this now, but, like, tell me about your parents. And then generally when I have these conversations, Lori, they tell me about their parents And they're just like, oh, yeah, mine don't do anything. They can't travel. They can't do anything. They just sit at home and they're watching whatever news that they watch. They kind of spend time with their grandkids, but they're not out there with their grandkids. And no one's saying you need to play soccer with your grandkids. But being able to go cheer them on in their games, being able to go see their shows, their performing, those are the things that I'm guessing grandparents love doing. They love spending time with their grandkids. My parents love spending time with their grandkids. Their life is kind of generated around that. That's great. So it's being able to do that. But then there's also, how about being able to like go to the bathroom? You squat every time you sit down on the toilet and being able to do that, being able to bend over and pick something up or reach something in a cabinet. If you want to age in place for as long as possible, how do you start that work now so that It doesn't become such an emergency where you've lost a lot of muscle and you've lost a lot of bone just through the aging process. What I do is I just try and talk to people about what their lifestyle is
1: like. I don't talk to them about their height and weight. I don't care about that. I care more about their stressors. So when I heard you casting a vision, I I had this vision of as you are speaking to people and you're helping them change their habits, this next generation, they're going to be hiking. Their mom and dad are going to be hiking and grandma and grandpa will be hiking with them. You're kind of in this place now where we're looking at a generation that hasn't taken care of themselves. They can't do the things. Maybe you're the person that's going to make that shift so that as this generation becomes grandparents, then they get to do all the things. Because I know for me as a grandma, that's what started my health journey. I wanted to get on the floor with my grandkids and I wanted to get back up without yeah. making all those old people's sounds. Yeah. And when you think about that, what do you see happening or what do you hope that people will know or do or take from this? Well, I
0: think that the, first of all, congratulations to you because unfortunately you're in the minority. What I would Hope that people take away from this is that it's not too late. It's around reframing the discussion around health and wellness. And it's not about losing weight. And I talk about this with my parents all the time because they constantly talk about weight, my mom in particular. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're almost better off being 10 pounds heavier, but if you can move and do things that's actually better than being a lighter weight and not moving. Because movement has so many benefits to us, not just physically, but emotionally. Because... It helps elicit all these positive hormones from coming out and making that happen. The joy you get when you're hanging out with your grandchildren and you're able to get down on the floor and get back up without like your back or your neck being like, Oh my God, what just happened here? How does that make you feel? I'm looking at your face now. You're, you know, you're like smiling. So it's not even just like a physical thing. It's a, it's an emotional reaction as well getting people to understand that. What I also do is, is that I work backwards from what your goals are. So I have some clients who they think that working out is around being athletic, like sporting. And my first client came to me because she loves to garden. She calls all sports sports ball. She does not watch any sports. She also realized that taking care of herself matters for the activities that she likes doing. It isn't about that you need to go hiking or play a sport or be able to like cycle the Grand Canyon or whatever it is. It's about what are the activities you want to be doing? Gardening brings you joy and gardening is a strenuous activity. We work backwards from that. And we find you a coach who is going to work with you on functional movements around strengthening the areas of your body. That you use while you're gardening. So your goal could be, I want to be able to garden over the course of the weekend. And my back not like being like, what just happened? That is a great goal that you could work towards with the right coach. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm going to be hiking Mount Rainier and summoning it. It doesn't have to be that. I just did a trip with my husband. We were gone for almost a month. And it was a very active trip. And I called it Jill's Marathon. And it was just a lot of hiking and kayaking. And my goal with my weightlifting coach was training for that trip to be able to just be able to do all those things. We were in Norway, so it was really remote and really beautiful. Places I'd never been to before. And I got to do a bucket listing. I got to kayak in like the largest fjord in Norway. That was my marathon, what I trained for. Your marathon could be something completely different. And it's no less important than what mine was or what my other clients was. And that's what I try and get people to understand
1: is that your marathon is your marathon and you're not competing with anyone. What comes to mind when you say that is I think that there's language in our work. Every year we do this, getting your steps in. I'm a swimmer, so I always ignore it because I'm not athletic. I'm not a runner and I'm not a walker. All of a sudden this year I went, wait a minute, can I join but use swimming? And they're like, yes. But it's so interesting. What you said really resonated with me is, I think we think of moving as athletic when it really is just like, what do you love to do if it's gardening, if it's walking the dog, and how can we do it more effectively?
0: Yeah. And I mean, and I would say that you're athletic if you train on purpose. You're swimming. Swimming is a very athletic activity. It's actually better for you than running because of the less impact. My husband's a swimmer. He swam in college. He wants to swim until his last breath. That is his happy place. He does weight training so that he can continue to swim and hike and travel. Like the weight training is just a vessel to doing the other things that we want to be doing. And that's what I try and tell people. Because a lot of times you go into like some 24-hour fitness and they're like, okay, we're just going to do some bicep curls. We're going to do some crunches. And you're just kind of like, well, I don't know where this is leading me to. What I work from is the reverse. So I've heard you talk about swimming now. I've heard you talk about playing with your grandkids. Those are two very important data points for me in terms of what does Lori want to be doing until her last days? So it's not going to be like, oh, we're just going to give you some kind of training program and you have to prioritize this training program to the detriment of the activities that you love. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. The training program is to augment the activities you love doing. A friend of mine was talking about how she loves doing hit runs on Peloton. She just loves it. That's what brings her joy. And this one person's like, well, you know, she really do less of those. To me, the wrong language. I think there's a different way on how to have that conversation. If you start taking away the things that people love then you're going to lose they've tuned you out they're not going to listen to anything else you have to say about strength training and I knew where he was going I knew where this person's intentions were they were good but again it's about the language
1: have you heard if not now when if not you then who are you being prompted to write a book to create a podcast, check out Leaving a Legacy at That's coach www.coachlaurie.com. And let's get started on your second act now.
0: But again, it's about the language. And what I told this friend is that I would have handled that completely differently. And here's how I would have framed it. I said, these are really good. And if these bring you joy, there's that. Here's some other things that I want you to think about as you're doing this. Because what happens if you're not able to run because you get injured? It was a completely different conversation then that person becomes a client because I'm framing it in a different way. They knew they were going to get lectured that they they weren't doing enough strength training, but it was more around, well, look, we're not going to take away the stuff that you love doing. I'm not going to tell you not to have wine. I drink wine. Like I'm not the moral police. But I'm going to say that we have to prioritize what are the things that matter to you so that you could be a happy human.
1: If you're not a happy human, that's going to reflect all the other people in your life. So somebody wants to work with you now. They're like, hey, I could add this rather than get with Jill and have her take everything away from me. How do they find you? My
0: website is golong.me. I write a sub stack which is a blog. I publish two to three times a week. That's another way to engage with me. See my thought process around no matter how old you are, your best years are not behind you. If you don't want them to be, we just have to reframe what success looks like now versus however many years ago. It's golong.me, G-O-L-O-N-G dot M-E and then go com. You know, I do a free consultation. If someone gets referred to from your show, I'll give them a discount from Lori. They mention your name, I'll give them a discount. I'm happy to talk to anyone who feels frustrated by the wellness industry and the language that they're being told because it is it's maddening. It's absolutely maddening hearing some of this stuff. It's not helping people make the changes that they need to make. If you've tried to make change, and you haven't been successful, and there's lots of reasons why, I've gone through that as well. I would encourage you to reach out to me, schedule time with me for that complimentary consult. I've walked that walk. I know how hard it is. And that's why I'm looking at this, not from you going into 24-hour fitness and doing bicep curls forever, but understanding what your life goals and dreams are and finding the right person to work with you who's going to let you drive the bus instead of you be the passenger.
1: And then what is it you're reading? I probably get about
0: seven articles per week, literally from different friends and family, talking about how everyone's talking about how you should change your training regimen as you go through perimenopause or as you get older. I am reading The Economist right now. I'm also reading a book by Emily Morse. It's okay to have fear and concerns when you're making a change. That's completely normal. And I've been there, which is why I could be empathetic to you and know how to be pragmatic with my solutions, but also be optimistic for your future. That's what going long means.
1: extra cash, click the affiliate link. Three things we learned from Jill. We don't have to take away from what we're doing, but we can add. And Jill also talks about the importance of self-care. And I love what she says about don't wait until you break down because then you can't help anyone. And we see this throughout these interviews on Interrupted where people say when they finally learned the value of taking care of themselves, the value of investing in themselves, the value of self-care. A lot of times people will think it's selfish or they're told by family members it's selfish Self-care is not selfish. It is essential. I tell my clients all the time, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of others well. And they will argue with me and say, oh, yes, I am. But when they really take a look at the quality of care they're giving, when they are exhausted, when they have nothing left to give, I would rather give to my family from a full cup than an empty cup. And I love how Jill says, not only... Is it physically helpful? It's emotionally and mentally helpful. And in fact, taking care of yourself, exercising in a way that you love, whether it's gardening, swimming, walking, walking the dog, whatever it is, when you incorporate exercise into your self-care, it is going to help you when you travel. (laughs) It's going to help you as you age to be able to go Long, And that happens to be the name of her webpage, golong.me. And one more thing I want to touch on is it's so amazing to me in so many of these interviews how people were living a corporate life. They were doing the thing, making the money, and they were so miserable and unhappy. And when they took a step back, took care of their mental health, their physical health, their life changed, and now they're living the life they love. And we think of transition so often I hear people say, don't quit your day job. But the truth is, don't keep your day job. But that doesn't mean one day you say, I'm done, and you walk away. It's always about a transition. And we can transition well, but we do it by self-care, by taking care of ourselves so we are healthy enough physically and mentally enough to make those changes. Because one thing I am seeing as well is this mindset, that our mindset will have to shift to give us the courage we need, the strength we need, and the wisdom we need to step into this new, wonderful life that we can live. And isn't it fabulous that no matter where we are or what has happened, we can decide to live another life to start over to reinvent, recreate. There is always that option. So let's get moving or let's go long with Jill Beck at golong.me. If you love this podcast, here's a big ask. Will you share with your friends and family? Subscribe, give us a review and a five-star rating so that others looking to reinvent their lives will be able to get the help they're looking for. Thank you in advance.